welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we are having a book club episode. We read Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim, and we also have a special guest. Please welcome Hadley to our podcast. So as usual, we'll start with a little bit about the author, Elizabeth Lim, actually graduated from Harvard with a degree in music and continued on her education at Juilliard. And so before writing books, she was a film and video game composer. And then it seems like she made the transition. I know she's known for this duology, which is called Blood of Stars, which includes Spin the Dawn. And then also Six Crimson Cranes was a pretty big book for her. And I know Haley suggested this book for this month, so you can go in a little bit about why you wanted to read this. So I wanted to read this book because I read the book Six Crimson Cranes because I saw in Ruhika's Goodreads that this is like a very tangential story, but I saw in Ruhika's Goodreads that she really liked it. And I was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting book. And then I listened to it on audiobook and I liked the book, but the author's voice was not it. It was not it. But... The book itself was very good. And so I was like, we should definitely give this a try because I liked her other book. So maybe I'll like this one. So I think the brief overview is my thoughts going in. I thought it was going to be a little bit like Project Runway because that's what Kaylee told me. And after reading the first chapter or so, I thought it was also a little bit Mulan because the whole idea is that Maya pretends to be her brother when she goes to the Imperial Palace. I thought there was going to be a lot more of that personally and it like after the first third, it turned a little more adventure than fashion competition, which I don't know if I was expecting. And then that's basically the very broad overview summary. If there's any specific points anybody wants to start with, we can go there. Hadley, I heard that you have thoughts. <laughs> I feel like I should talk now. Uh, thanks for having me on, first of all. Delighted to be here. Uh, also, this book went places, huh? Like, it starts so, like, we're going to tell you a nice, tight little story. And then at somewhere, like, right in the middle, it's like, what if we took a sharp left and just didn't do any of the things we set up in the first half of the book? We just, we've wrapped on the first half of the book completely at, I think, earlier than the midway point. And it just goes off on a completely other adventure, which I was on board for, but it is not telegraphed in the slightest. Yeah, I also agree because I was expecting like this project runway thing and then it's going to like go on for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're going on this crazy adventure, which I mean, it was fun, but also like, where did that come from? I totally agree. Like I was expecting a lot more of the project runway to, I thought that was going to be the whole book. And then the end of the book was going to be whatever Taylor won the competition. And it's weird because it almost felt like two different books. Like one was this fashion competition and then the other one was just your stereotypical like YA fantasy adventure story also all of the scenes involving tailoring all the scenes at the tailor shop and all the scenes where she's thinking about making clothing or when there's like fabric around they're all so vividly written and then by contrast some of the other scenes are so just like yeah you picture it (laughs) we're not going to do descriptions here you you can just fill in in your brain And it was really jarring. I was like, it feels like you wanted to write a different book that was all tailoring. (laughs) Just do that. I imagine like the scenes when she's wandering the desert for a bit, trying to look for the the sun stuff. And how it's just like, there's a lot of sand. There's a sandstorm over there. Like, we're going to go sit in our tent now. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay. I felt like the second half of the book in some ways felt slower than the first half of the book. 
weirdly enough, even though that was like the adventure part where they're like going on an adventure and going on a trip, because I feel like the first half of the book was, like you said, more vividly written compared to that second half. I also feel like, so I have no idea like what connects the through thread between Enchanter tailoring subplot, adventure subplot. I still don't have it, but I did like the fact that it felt kind of dreamy in the retelling. It felt like a fairy tale that you were kind of experiencing secondhand, except for the tailoring scenes, which were incredibly personal and did not feel like a fairy tale. So I don't know. Overall, the tone I really liked. I just think plot wise, I was like, where are we going? What are we doing (laughs) the whole time? Yeah, I agree. I think that the tone was good. But I think it's funny because I've read the other books in this series and I just finished the second book in the Six Crimson Cranes series. And there were parts of that book where I'd be like, oh, wait, I see how this connects to Spin the Dawn now. But it was like kind of a weird experience because I had already read Spin the Dawn. And so it was just like, you can tell that Spin the Dawn, I think, happens further in the future. But it was like kind of weird because I read them out of order. A little strange. Wait, so they're all connected? Yes, but no. It's like you don't have the same characters, but it's the same world. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because they talk about, I think it was like the blood of the stars they talk about in the other book too. And so I was like, oh, I see the connection. I got very excited. It's kind of lame. But it was a very exciting moment. I was like, oh, I can see. Okay. So that was kind of neat. I love, like unironically love, Manic Pixie Dream Boy who can turn into Hawk as just, just as a concept. It's so funny to me. And it's played so straight. And there's like at no point in this book does the author question like, would you, would everyone be into this? She's like, yeah, of course you're into this. Of course you're into this. Everyone would be into this. It's a cool boyfriend who can turn into a hawk. We've all wanted it since Animorphs. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like it's just, I love the confidence of it. And I love the way he's written because he is written as like, oh, he's so bad, but he never actually does anything bad. And like all the bits where he's like teasing her are not all that bad I don't know she just gets mad over nothing a lot (laughs) yeah no I was getting the vibes that he was supposed to be portrayed as the bad boy but it's always seemed to get written off as like oh it's the stuff that happened like hundreds of years ago in his like earlier past I don't know nothing really in this book (laughs) he does no bad boying at all all he does is good boying that's so true And then I also think it's funny that like the emperor at first, she was like, wow, the emperor is really attractive. And then there's this other guy who looks kind of scary. But then she's like, this ends up being the guy that I fall for, though. Don't worry. (laughs) It does fall into the YA trap of like, well, I really dislike this person, which must mean that I'm in love with them. It's like, um, how many people's real experiences are? Yeah, like I absolutely hated my husband when we first met. What? No, no, I think you're right. I think there is, you see it in the TV shows too, where it's like, oh, I'm going to hate her or like pretend I hate her because that really means I like her. It does seem very juvenile way of approaching things. I feel like that's probably not the best advice to be giving to young people. Yeah, if a boy makes you so mad that you can't speak, definitely he's the one for you. What? (laughs) Although I guess to be fair to him, he was just kind of existing. Yeah, I feel like he didn't actually do anything to try to, like, intentionally make her mad. It was just... She got mad. So I have a question. 
is I know that I don't really read a ton of YA or a ton of fantasy. What about the both of you? I'm a big fantasy nerd. I read a lot of fantasy. I haven't read YA fantasies since I was a YA, but this is so familiar. Every story beat of this, I was like, yep. Oh, and then, yep. Oh, yeah. Like, I've read this book before, except I do think the world building is very good. Mm -hmm. But plot beat wise, yeah, it is by the book. (laughs) I read why occasionally, like if I get something recommended to me, I'll read it. So if I get something that's like one of my friends said, oh, this book is really good. I'll be like, all right, I'll pick it up. I don't feel like I go and intentionally seek out why it's only if I get it recommended to me. But I do like a good fantasy book. I think fantasy books are good. It's just sometimes... I will say, sometimes with like adult fantasy books, the stories get like really convoluted, which is not always my fave. Sometimes I like just a straightforward plot. Even though, as you said, yes, every single beat of this, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I could see that coming. I guess for a lot of people who haven't done a lot of reading in this genre, what is this like YA or fantasy arc that you'll typically see? So it's the YA arc that it, this falls into is specifically like a YA fantasy romance. I'm sure people have seen it roasted on TikTok before. There's a great, great Ghost Honey TikTok where he's like pretending to be two teens in a dystopian universe. It's literally just, uh, I'm a cool girl with magical powers. I'm a brooding boy with a dark secret. We can't be together because of the thing. You know, the thing that we both know about we're going to talk for 200 pages around the thing. And then at the very end, there's going to be a plot twist that allows us to be together, but only for a little bit. And it's just, it's like, there's always a, there's always a barrier. She always hates him at first. And he's always kind of too smart for his own good. And this one had steamy scenes, which I was very, very interested in because usually they don't get to have any. This one had two of them, which were, they, they felt I both of those steamy scenes felt like someone was like threatening the author at knife point to write them they felt so like she didn't want to be there and I'm sorry my apologies to Elizabeth Lim you're a very good writer I don't think you wanted to be there (laughs) I think you were very uncomfortable but there's always like a reason they can't be together at book one they never end up together and this series specifically reminded me immensely of a series that was popular literally 20 years ago called The Clady Journals because plot beat wise, it is the exact same. Like young girl who does not have much going for her ends up in Royal Palace, falls in love with tall, dark and handsome guy with a secret, follows him across the desert, goes on a quest to get him back because he's been doomed by magical forces. And then I fell off The Clady Journals at some point. But it's like it's literally beat for beat the same thing. I'm like, so we've been doing this for forever. Good 20 to 30 years. Okay. One thing that I do have to say though is I feel like this whole girl falls for like broody boy thing is not just YA. I feel like you see it all the time. All the time. Even in like adult romance books. All the time. Like like a while back, I was reading this, I think it was an Emily Henry book. And it was about this girl who inherited a house or something in the middle of nowhere and her arch nemesis writer from college was like her next door neighbor and she was like yeah I just don't like him he's so mysterious and like 
I just hate his guts for no reason. And I was like, who hurt you? Why are you like this? Wait, she moves to the middle of nowhere and then he like moves in next to her? He's her next door neighbor. And she's like, I inherited this house from my mom or from my grandma. I don't even know how she got this house, but she got this house somehow. And then, of course, naturally, her arch nemesis from college, next door neighbor. You know how you have an arch nemesis in college? You know how college is. Hey, that's the plot of like a Hallmark movie. That's the setup for a Hallmark romance. Oh, yeah. So what did you guys think about the magic scissors? All I could think of is how I would probably be like Maya and be like, I can't use them because it's cheating. That was so relatable. When she first thought that, I was so relieved. Because I was like, oh, she's just going to cheat her way through. That kind of sucks and is boring. And then the part where it becomes a moral struggle for her. I wish that had lasted longer, honestly. Yeah, because I feel like with the magic scissors and that whole moral struggle of like, is it cheating versus is it not cheating? I feel like the author was onto something there. And I think it could have been expanded upon a little bit more. Okay, so where do we come down on it? Is it cheating or is it not? Yeah, it's cheating. It's obviously. Yeah, because I think that the other, I forget who it was, but was it the like brooding boyfriend guy who was just like, everybody else is using magic? And in my head, I was like, just because everyone else is using it doesn't make it not cheating. He, I think, was trying to bring up a point about like, everyone's already cheating and the stakes are you could die. Which is not so much, like, she's having a moral argument and he's like, you're, they're going to kill you if they find out you're a girl. Uh, Maybe don't be moralistic about that. Uh, How are we, also question, how are we pronouncing his name? I want to know, because mentally it was Idan, but I don't know if that's right. I have literally no context, so. I'm not going to lie, I read this book like two months ago. I cannot even remember his name. Did you audio it? No, I I actually booked it. I did not audio it. Sometimes when I don't know how to say things, a lot of times Kaylee will audiobook. So I'm just like, hey, how do you say this person's name? Yeah, I was saying Eden, but who knows? Maybe Eden. I don't know. I, I, okay. Can we talk about the names thing for just a hot second? Two times there was a name reveal for this guy that made me literally put the book down in disgust. Two times. So the first time he's like, yeah, one of my old, it's to use the dagger. It's one of my old names. And she's like, what is it? And he's like, Jin. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Okay. And then later, I was so angry about the next one where he's like, well, my first name was Gen and it means boy. And she's like, that's not a name. That's horrible. What does Idan mean? And he goes, Hawk. And that's the end of the chapter. And there's no, I, it's like, no. he's done like this big dramatic moment. And I threw the book. So bad. I remember the hawk reveal. I was like, okay, of course. I'm not going to lie. I think I just blocked that from my memory. But yeah, that tracks. (laughs) (laughs) It's his most Edward Cullen moment in the whole thing. It's so cringeworthy. (laughs) Do you know what? Now I actually do understand how he relates to the other story. He's a... He's like a sorcerer in the other story. Oh. As like as like the younger self. That's how it relates. That's all I got. <laughs> I know. I feel like I was waiting for more. And you're just like, no, that's it. That's it. 
Okay, but even in the other story, I feel like he wasn't, like, a bad person in the other story. So I don't know where he gets this whole, like, bad boy persona. Like, he's not a... Even in the other story, he doesn't do bad things. What did you think of her fellow competitors in the palace? I was so sad that they were just nothing characters. I really wanted there to be personalities to most of those guys and some of them were like you got the name and then they were gone the same day i don't know that felt kind of like a wasted opportunity to me i really wanted more of this book to be the project runway part of the book and i thought it was such a good opportunity to like compare and contrast her character versus all of these strangers that we're meeting and instead of like creating characters out of these people and having them be fleshed out human beings it was like uh and they're gone immediately and now you only have to worry about these four okay and then we don't even get to hang out with those four really we get to hang out with one who's very nice but otherwise not very helpful and not a particularly good character foil for maya so it just i don't know it was kind of disappointing to me because i wanted it so bad i also feel like the villain in this story for like when they were doing the tailoring competition i felt like He was just too straightforward, you know? I feel like there wasn't, like, enough morally gray for the character because I wanted him to be more, like, morally gray, but he was just like, nah, I'm just gonna make sure that I win this and that's my only goal because I want it. What? Where is the moral gray? I don't like it. And when he crops back up later, like, when they're traveling through the desert and he crops back up and then... Or I guess it's right before they leave across the desert... And she sees him in like a bar or something. And then you really think that's going to come back in any meaningful way. And it doesn't. And I was really confused after a certain point. Why mention him? I have no idea. I agree. I was thinking. So I guess kind of like if you were watching real Project Runway, it's like you get to know each of the competitors as you go, and then you like pick a favorite, you see the drama between them. I also was expecting a little more of that. It was just kind of more like, here's 12 of them, and for some reason, what seems like only a few days later, there are now, what you say, like four? And then I feel like once they switched to the adventure part, there were really only two characters, because it was Maya and then Hawkboy. Not gonna lie, Hawkboy gave me like a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome where I was like, I don't like you, but I feel like I have to because you're the only other character we've got. (laughs) I liked him, actually. I genuinely liked him as a character. It wasn't specific to him because that character archetype is just a type that I always fall for. Not so much the like, because he wasn't a bad boy. The part of him that I like is they're like, yeah, he's... uh, He's kind of done nothing but fuck up for 500 years. All he has done is construct a web of lies that will one day eat him. And he is just, you know, underneath a complete idiot in terms of making life decisions. So that I do like as a character archetype. I do fall for it every time. I was getting sick of the way their interactions went every time. Like, I felt like there were times he was playing coy where it made no sense to do so except that it was like, we got to finish this scene out. I don't know. Sometimes their interactions were not the strongest part of the book, which is rough because it's also two thirds of the book. And I feel like too, because their interactions were not always the strongest part of the book, maybe there should have been more happening with like when she was on the actual quest 
that was less focused on like her interaction with him, but it was kind of like missing. I feel like her adventure parts were almost too much of the book. Like it was too long because it was like two thirds of the books. But then, for example, the one where she has to climb the mountain, she's just like climbing a mountain for way too long in my opinion you're just like oh i'm putting my pickaxe here and now i'm putting it there and oh no i slipped and i'm like this isn't interesting i loved all the magic descriptions in the adventure i thought the sun trial was actually super cool i liked that whole sequence no notes i enjoyed it and then the, the last trial the starlight trial like that honestly every bit about that i was like oh i'm here for this like the ghost impersonating her family like the way the demon is described no notes. Uh, the fact that she gets a demon curse out of all that. Love it. Excellent. Um, the lead up to those. not to, and, the, and like you said, the mountain climbing sequence in the middle, which I feel like is really downplayed also when she almost freezes to death. And it's like, yeah, you can shrug off uh, just diving really deep into freezing cold water in the middle of a frigid hellscape. Yeah, you can just if you snuggle with your boyfriend enough, um, you'll just you're going to walk that right off. It just, it doesn't make any sense. If you liked The Last Trial, you would like her other two books better, is my train of thought. Because it focuses more, like, on the whole realm of, like, the demons and stuff. So I would say you'd like her other two books better. I want to be clear. I am going to go read the sequel to this. Oh, you are? I'm going to go read it just in my own time. Because despite, like, I can criticize a book and also still have a blast reading it. And, like, I powered through, like, 280 pages of this in one just kind of lazy Sunday. And I genuinely enjoyed my time. So I'm going to keep going in this series out of sheer curiosity. It reminds me of something that my manager said when uh, I was talking to her about reading. And she was like, yeah, you know, some books are just like sitcoms. It's like the Kardashians. It's so bad, but you can't stop watching. I think I enjoyed my time reading it, too. I did appreciate how she just kept refusing to marry that baker's son. And he just like kept trying to be like, here's some buns. Your family are going to starve if you don't eat these. Marry me. And she's just like, no. Yeah, you know, I like that providing like a basic human decency does not equate to, yes, you have my undying love forever. It did strike me as very weird, though, that she was like, she gets grossed out when he's like sweating into the bread bowl. Okay, fine. That makes total sense. But then she talks about like, like his hands would be sticky with sugar after work or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's normal. You realize that's normal, right? That's not like he's a baker. I don't think being a baker is inherently disgusting. I don't think that's what you meant to get across here. But that's super what comes across in the chapter. She's like, ew, bakers. Like, <laughs> what? can we get specific about why this one is bad and not so much just the fact that he smells like sourdough? I It just... I don't know. That was so funny to me. Like, yeah, ew, ew, bakers. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I don't know, if he doesn't, like, wash his hand before he bakes. Yeah, sure. But general things that come out of the trade probably should not have been what, where she draws the line. Especially when they talk about her going out and, like, gathering silk from the silkworms or whatever. And I'm like, that's somebody's ick for sure. Oh, yeah. I, like, it's not, it's also not gross and also part of a trade. But so, like, do you think like maybe the baker's son is over there going, oh, I love Maya a lot. Like, I really think she's hot, except that she does touch worms all day, every day. And that's a lot. 
Like, I don't know. Just this, the sticky hands thing absolutely shook me. I was like, that's not an appropriate criticism to have of a guy who works with his hands. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like it's always an interesting experience reading YA as an adult. Because there are things that I, like, say the sticky hands thing or something, where I definitely wouldn't have picked up on that if I was, like, 13 and reading this. But being an adult and reading that, you're just kind of like, is this what we want to say? Is this where we want to go? Is this where our attention should be? <laughs> so, is is this an appropriate time for me to talk about the 1985 movie Lady Hawk? Because I need to. Yes. Sure. Okay, I know. You're both looking at me like, what are you talking about? Okay, let me explain. So the 1985 movie Lady Hawk is about uh, a, a couple who live in the medieval times who are cursed. And the curse is that by day, the girl turns into a hawk. And by night, the guy turns into a wolf. So that they never can be both human at the same time. Now, I watched this movie for the first time last night. And let me tell you, it was formative for Elizabeth Lim. Or she's psychic and took in the movie somehow through the cosmos because there is so much going on that's like very similar in terms of how the curses work. And like, I just, I don't know if it's like that was what started her specific obsession with like, I'm going to make a cool hawk boyfriend or whatever. But the fact that the other sorcerer turns into a wolf, I was so suspicious. I was like, come on, come on now. That This cannot be a coincidence. Come on. If it makes it any better, in one of her other books, one of the main characters, her brothers, they all turn into cranes every day. Nighttime, they're people again. During the day, cranes. Okay. That sounds less, that sounds genuinely less fun than being a hawk or wolf. So that one sounds rough. It does. But I think it's based on like an actual like fairy tale that's been written before. Like I... I can't, oh, sure. I can't remember which one it is, but I've read it. I know I've read it. I feel like that's like fairy tales where people turn into animals as a curse is like universal, right? They exist in like every culture. But the, I just, the specificity of hawk to wolf cycles got to me after a point. I feel like she probably read it right before or watched that movie right before she wrote this book. And she was like, yeah, nobody's going to get this reference. I'm going to do it. I mean, it's fair because it's a nothing throwaway movie worth one star from 1985. It is god-awful, by the way. If you're one of those people who likes to watch bad movies for fun, this is your movie. It is nearly unwatchably bad. But how did you find it? So my partner was like, I like I mentioned this book and I gave the rundown and they were like, oh, like the 1985 movie, Lady Hawk. And I was like, why are you like this? But now we have to watch it. So that's what we did last night. That was our date night was watching maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I love that. I feel like sometimes when the movie's terrible, it's better to be watched with someone else. We were just screaming the whole time. <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad, which is not, this book is great in places and has, you know, takes some of the concepts from that movie and makes them, something way more palatable to human beings, to be clear. That's something I was thinking about when I was reading this. I was like, is this going to be our next movie or TV, sh- like YA TV show type thing? Because I, I could see it. I would watch the hell out of this. I have to be honest. 
like it there are parts where it felt so cinematic i was like oh this would be so cool like the starlight pool thing i'm like this would look so sick on the screen I feel like if this book had been released back when we were teenagers, I feel like everybody would have been reading it. Yeah. You guys, I have a confession that now I feel like I need to make to you all. So I started... <laughs> this is going to be bad. I'm sorry. So the other day I started watching Teen Wolf because I never watched it when I was a teenager. <laughs> so I've watched like five episodes and I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm like, it's not even good. <laughs> and now I can't stop. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just had to get it off my chest. I've told like nobody this. You guys are the first people I've told. Actually, I think I told my boyfriend, but nobody else knows. And now in a few weeks time, the whole of the internet will know. (laughs) All 14 of our listeners. I have so many regrets. I'm so sorry. Don't do it, you guys. It's not worth it. I've never seen it. Are there werehawks in Teenable? Not yet, but it could happen. You never know. Is this something I should do? No, you should not. It's such a trash TV show. Like, it was on MTV or something when we were kids, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that seems like a scary TV show. I'm not going to watch that. It's not scary. It's just very lame. Very, very lame. It definitely fits, like, the whole Twilight era, though. Isn't the guy, the guy who plays Superman on TV now... Wasn't he in that? Wasn't that his first, not movie Superman, TV Superman on the CW? I've never seen TV Superman, so I don't know. I Me neither. I just, I see the like ads or whatever. Are there other non-werewolf creatures? This is not about the book that we read. I'm just curious. Are there other non-werewolf creatures on Teen Wolf? Or is it just wolves all the way down? I have no idea. So far, like three or four episodes in, just wolves. Nobody else. There are people who hunt the wolves, though. Okay. Respect. If they start introducing vampires, like, I'm I'm in. Love a good vampire-werewolf feud. How'd you feel about the Twilight one? Oh, hilarious. Ten, 10 out of 10. Absolutely hilarious. Like, negative 10 out of 10? 10? 10 out of 10, but in an ironic way. Since we have been talking about movies and stuff, I am not in on pop culture enough to answer my own question, but are there any people that you would cast for this book? I don't know a lot of 16-year-old actors. Well, they're usually played by like 20-something-year-olds anyway. You know, (laughs) you've got a point. Let's let's cast some 30-year-olds as high schoolers, I guess. I think they did. I think in Never Have I Ever, the Netflix show, I think one of them is like super not a teenager. Yeah, I think one of them's like in their 30s. Okay, I thought that too. I didn't want to say it because I didn't know if I was right, but I swear he was like in his 30s. Aren't the Riverdale actors in their 30s now also? Like they were in their 20s anyway, but I think some of them are well over the peak of 30. So theoretically, you could cast anyone you want in this movie. You could. I just, I'm trying to think and I'm like, I don't know who I would cast. I don't either. I just thought I'd throw it out. Uh, but I don't, with everyone else, yeah. I was firmly in Fantasy Asia, which had truly a fascinating, I loved the fantasy names in this, but I also liked that some of them were just like real words, which I thought was an interesting choice. Like some of them were like made up words and some of them were just words, words. I was like, okay, where's the, where's the line? But I'm down for it. I want more of this world. 
but not necessarily these characters. So maybe, yeah, maybe the other books are what I should go for. Read the six crimson, six crimson cranes once, but don't do it on audiobook because there's a paper crane and the paper crane's voice on audiobook is the most annoying thing I've ever heard in my life. But like the book itself, good book. Wait, what? Like what made it annoying? And also there's a paper crane, like the little, like a little folded one who talks? Yes. I mean, that rules. It's enchanted. It's really cool. But yeah, because like the voice, the voice that the person does for it is like super high pitched. It's like this. And I'm like, I can't. I cannot do this for a whole book. No. As we've discussed it, I think this one has had its good points and its flaws. But I also think that I would probably read the next one. I just need to know what happens. Yeah. I think the demon twist at the end is good. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she's finally able to lie and that's a bad sign. I think that's actually really clever as a device. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Obviously, she's going to be fine and they're going to have eight kids or whatever. But like, yeah, he wants a lot of kids. Yeah, what? Hey, what is wrong with him? Also, they've been dating for like a week and he's like, I want eight children. Kind of an unreasonable request to make of your new girlfriend. I'm just saying. Kaylee? I don't want any children. So you're like kind of an unreasonable request to make of your new girlfriend. And I'm like, kind of an unreasonable request to make of anyone, to be honest. (laughs) This is true. None is the appropriate amount to be thinking about on date, you know, 912 of courting this woman. Which I was so, that was so funny to me that she was like, you have to court me for a thousand days. And I was like, sick, I love that. That's a really cool narrative device to prevent them from having, oh, Never mind. She just totally forgot about that. One thing I do want to touch in touch on is, you know how you said that there were like a couple steamy scenes in this book and it felt very forced. I feel like that's because in her other two books, there were literally none. And I feel like somebody probably said, you know what we need for your next book? Some steamy scenes. <laughs> I also kind of feel weird whenever stuff like that is written to YA books because I'm like, they're like children makes me feel weird. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Isn't she 16? Or did I misunderstand? No, she is. Oh, is she? I thought she was 18. Either way, he's like 300. He's 500. It's Edward Cullen vibes. Which, the, there's a bit. Oh, can you? <gasps> is it Ella time? Sorry for the interruption. <gasps> oh, oh my goodness. Sorry, I completely sidetracked us. That was the highest pitch meow I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god. I'm sorry, Hadley. I completely cut you off with cats. No. No. So there's a part of the book where... Um, no, cats are very important. There's a, there's a bit where she's like thinking... Like it's all Maya internal monologue, right? But she's thinking about how he's stuck in this kind of permanent boyhood for 500 years and how unfair that is to him. And I'm like, is that what you think is happening? Because to me, if he's been alive, (laughs) Ella, you're doing so good. (laughs) If he's been alive for 500 years, his brain is going to keep learning things and making connections. He's not capped out at age 18 or whenever he stopped aging. I don't think he's in an internal boyhood, actually. I think it's the same... You know, it's weird that Edward Cullen goes to high school for 400 years. It's weird that this guy is like, ah, yes, a teenager. That's my age range. 
bro, it's not anymore. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think what? So part of it's like lived experience, right? So if he's been living for 500 years, you rack up some experiences. Do we earnestly believe the monk at the end where he's like, sorcerers don't like, don't have affairs of the heart like none of them ever? Like, are you sure 500 years he's never had a crush? He's never like gone on a date? Are you sure? I'm pretty sure he would have at this point met at least one other interesting woman in 500 years. I mean, statistically, right? Thousands of people, if not millions, have come in and out of his life at that point. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, I think that that's fair. One question I have for you all. This is going to take like a hard right turn. Do you all believe in soulmates or do you think that that's not a thing? It's a tough question. I'm going to go with no. I think there's, I think people have other people they're compatible with. And then like if soulmates are real, it's like you choose to like enter that level of relationship with someone. It's not like a, I don't believe in fate is the thing. Yeah. I think there's so many people on the planet. So there has to be multiple pairings that could happen depending on where you are, who you see, who you meet. That's what I think, too. I'm like, I think it's just not logical to have, like, a soulmate. Like, only in the books does it happen. And even then, you're like, how how true is that? I think people say it because it's romantic and it sounds nice. Agreed. I do think it can be true that, like, after a point in a relationship, you're like, this is the person I want to be with forever. Like, that makes total sense. And if you look at soulmates, like, from that lens, sure, it's real. But, like, as far as, like, oh, like, a a force drew them together the second they met each other. And, like, that was, that's what that force was. Like, no, that's not what that force was, I don't think. I think we have other names for that force, particularly. So, overall, what are your thoughts on the book and would you recommend it? I enjoyed my time reading it, but I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. Oh, Ella. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Ella, you're doing amazing. There you go. Okay. Yep. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's now a bite mark, if you can see in my mic. It's fine. It adds character. Ella has oh. discovered a new toy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I liked this book a lot. I would recommend it if you're if you're in the situation I was in. Where you have a lazy Sunday and you're in the mood for just kind of a dreamy fairy tale. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what this really felt like to me. And the parts that stick with me that I like are the parts that feel like a legend that I was being told secondhand. So honestly, I would recommend it because that kind of vibe has stayed with me and I really like it. I would agree. Yeah, for me, in terms of recommending, I think I just, I don't have readers that are interested in this type of book other than say you two and you two have already read it so I think I just don't have people to recommend it to I think I would recommend this book just because I think it's like it's a fun book it's an easy read if you're looking for something that's just like gonna get you out of a reading rut I think this would be a good book for you did you all have any closing thoughts or things that you wanted to talk about 
I have nothing except that I'm really excited that I got to come on here and meet you two and hang out. So thank you. That's my closing thought is thanks. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to have you. Ella, yes, destroy the microphone is my other closing thought. (laughs) (laughs) She heard that. (laughs) Making good on that. (laughs) You know, she's just a baby. We're still learning. (laughs) Our next book club is going to be Outlawed by Anna North, and that will be dropping on September 4th. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the book, so feel free to send us an email at Zillennials Podcast or DM us on Instagram or send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com or send us a DM at Zillennials Podcast. And don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple